Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. To mark Monocle on Design's partnership with Creative Denmark, we're taking a look at how the organisation supports the country's rich design heritage and the local creative scene's commitment to designing sustainably. As a public-private partnership, Creative Denmark assists international stakeholders and decision-makers in exploring sustainably-minded solutions, products and processes within the country's creative industries. The project also aims to highlight how Danish creativity can offer solutions to global environmental issues and help improve our quality of life too. To find out more, Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, caught up with Danish designer Mads Norgaard and Copenhagen Fashion Week CEO Cecily Thorsmark. They spoke at Creative Denmark's Harborside office following the city's Spring 2024 Fashion Week. Here, they touched on the power of democratic design and the spirit of collaboration that has helped the Danish creative industry grab global attention. Shall we start by setting the scene a little bit? We've just seen off another season of Copenhagen Fashion Week. So uh, tell me a little bit about what you've been seeing this season and also more generally, what have been some of the topics of conversation around the Danish fashion and creative communities? It's been another busy and buzzing week here in Copenhagen. We started already on the Monday this year and we've been seeing... 31 outstanding shows, I can already now say. We've been seeing uh, countless of events from, you know, we had our own talk program. We've been seeing beautiful installations and exhibitions, uh, social events. And then, of course, we have the newly merged trade fair here in Copenhagen, Sif X Revolver, taking place. And I've been hearing um, a lot of good reports from um, from that scene out there, but in general, if I'm to um, to sum up a little bit on the on the shows that I've been going to, I think what has maybe characterized this season is a more I would say subtle, maybe minimalistic aesthetic, fewer prints um, and 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 less colors, and that is not to say that. We're going in some dull direction at all because I think there's been a super strong focus on silhouettes and on fabrics and quality. So um, I've been very impressed by the shows, by the creativity this season, and especially in the light of the financial environment that we're facing currently. I've been, um, I'm very optimistic, actually, on behalf of the Scandinavian industry. I think it's been a very strong season. I haven't seen as many shows as you have, so I, I leave that one to you. But the shows I've seen, I think, were really strong and focused and uh, with a bit of a sharper edge than I think they've had before. Not that, maybe I'm to say optimistic, but not that many prints and colors. And so I'm a bit more, more to the point. But I would say from a buyer's point of view and from a designer's point of view, I think there's three topics that sort of general for the time being and also in the talks you've been having and in the in this in the season in general. And one is of course the financial situation with the war in Ukraine and what that and inflation and so on. That puts sort of a dire it's not it's not a depression, but it's it's a little it's tougher than than we all thought it would be a year ago. 
And we all feel that from small to big to whatever. So that's one agenda. The other agenda is sustainability that's being talked about all the time and it should be talked about. Personally, I embrace the all the regulations and so on that are coming from the EU and over national bodies because I think this is someone has to help us. The industry cannot fix this and we need really regulations. We need fines. We need someone to lead the way. But the th- And the third thing I think that's very important and we're talking a lot about in the business is new talents, the emerging new talents, because it's so important in the industry that new talents come and refresh the fashion system and, and take a fresh look of, of what's going on. But the problem in the world today is it's difficult for new talents to find shops to work with because the retail situation in the world is changing. It's so many changes, so many bigger shops. It's not There's not so many individual shops around more than there used to be. And the smaller individual shops were usually the ones who would take a chance and say, let's try this new designer. Let's take a fresh look at this, this new collection or whatever. And that, I think, is a big problem. If that tendency keeps developing the way it does now it'll be even harder for the new talents. And that is very big. That will become a big problem for the industry because we need the new talents so badly. And in our shops, we embrace new talents. We always invite them. We like prepay to have to finance their collections or, because it's so, it's like, it's the core of the business to have these new talents coming up. So I think those, those, those three. And I think, like you say, it is a tough climate, but there is a lot of optimism across the Danish creative industries. And, this is a time that a lot of countries have been trying to reset their manufacturing industries and to establish themselves as creative hubs in a way. But in Denmark, you've managed to do it and you've managed to attract a lot of global attention as well, whether it's editors coming here to find new ways to tell stories, buyers looking for new talent and new product for their stores. And it would be great to get your individual perspectives on what are some of the factors that have contributed to this success and have kept people coming back to Denmark to engage with the local creative community? It's a good question. And um, it's time to reflect right now on the last uh, couple of decades. I think what we've been seeing is these last two decades or so, really like the internationalization of Danish fashion and Danish fashion, you know, gaining foothold in the global market. I think that has to do with several factors, and I'm sure that Mess can can find even more uh, factors to uh, to add um, to it. But I think one of them is that you know we are a, a quite young industry if you compare us to you know the the French or the Italian um, industries. And I think that when we when we introduced ourselves um, to the world, I think. I think it was maybe a refreshing and a contemporary take on modern fashion. Also, we tend to use the word democratic um, about our own industry. And I also I also hear internationals say it a lot because democratic in the sense that our fashion is accessible in terms of both price and aesthetics. We have a quite active culture here in, in Denmark, or at least we, we bike around quite a lot. And that requires, um, you know, clothes that you can move in. Um, but I think it's a very democratic take on, on fashion. And I think that was a new perspective maybe on, on fashion uh, internationally, or at least we, we made a big deal out of it. And we, uh, and we received quite a lot of spotlight for that positioning. Along with that came obviously some, some strong brands that, um, that manifested themselves. Uh, besides Mesnerga, of course, you know, we've seen 
Ghani and Stina Goya really yeah, incepting themselves in the global fashion industry. And I think that has really put Denmark on the map uh, for sure. But what also helped is it is a small country. So the cultural scene in Denmark is quite tight. Yes, there was a new take on fashion. I'll return to that. But at the same time, Noma came out and we could start a swimming in the in the harbor. And so on. So it was, it was like, and we all knew each other. We were all friends and it was like one cultural energy sort of moving into getting into the world and eating ants at Noma like made the headlines all over the world because that was weird and of course Noma is not accessible from an economically point of view but it was a cultural scene that sort of burst and or exploded and that made it made a lot of headlines but returning to the fashion scene I think 20 years ago when it all started 15 20 years ago what Denmark suggested to the fashion world was something that wasn't really seen before because either the fashion world was very divided into either high street, quite cheap, cheaply made, copies, all that, or it was like couture and very, very refined, being Paris, Milan, whatever. And Denmark suggested something in between. So you would get things that were accessible price-wise, it was understandable, it was wearable, and the price would be okay. And that was a new take. A lot of other countries do that. And a lot of other fashion scenes do that now. But when we started doing that, and that, that is democratic, it was new in the fashion world. And it, of course, it's similar to IKEA. It's similar to this and that. From us, But it is quite a Scandinavian take on consumption, things that you use, that, that you care about and use. And, and that, was, that was new. And I think we've, we've held on to that. And then, of course, there was a lot of new, really, you mentioned a few just now, but before that, Mondi Simonsen, other fine brands that there were that were international at the time or important at the time, so so the, again a, a talent, multiple talent at the same time in in a, in a small place that usually works. And if I can add also something really important that has obviously put Danish fashion on the map, it's uh, it's the sustainability agenda, which we talk a lot about currently, but which is actually not new in our industry. It uh, it started back in two thousand and nine with the first Copenhagen Fashion Summit back when it was the Danish Fashion Institute that was really driving fashion forward here in Denmark, uh, organizing both the summit, but actually also organizing Copenhagen Fashion Week back then. It's uh, sustainability is something that's been on the agenda of the, of the Danish uh, brands since 2009, at least. And of course, something that we have highly emphasized for the past five years that I've been at Copenhagen Fashion Week because that was the reason why I to take the position at Copenhagen Fashion Week because I found that there was a big you know potential to challenge the purpose of a fashion week in general but also challenge the the purpose of Copenhagen Fashion Week and see if we could if we could turn around things and actually use our platform actively as a way to as a way to speed up the transition in the industry and we do that specifically through requiring that the brands that are part of Copenhagen Fashion Week must live up to 18 minimum standards that all brands that are part of Copenhagen Fashion Week's official show schedule must live up to and they must document that they live up to them. So it's been our way of of really um, taking advantage of the quite influential and centric platform and important platform that Copenhagen Fashion Week is to drive change amongst our brands. It's really interesting when you talk about sustainability and that it's this shared set of values that really informs everyone running a business, running a set of events in the country. Is this something that has been instilled in you from early on, you think? And, and how does it inform everything that you do creatively and from a business perspective as well? 
What is really well done from Copenhagen Fashion Week and the summit is that it's been going hand in hand. For years and years and years, it's not either or, it's it's both and. So we do new collections, we do events, we do shows, we do all this. The business is, is thriving. And simultaneously, at the same time, we work on a sustainability agenda. So it's not like you do what you do and then at the end of the day, you have to meet all these requirements. It's hand in hand and it's uh, it's in the development of the collection. And that, I think, it's like breathing. It's like it's like it's there all the time. And of course, sustainability is it's such a big issue. It's so difficult to talk about. It's so difficult to, to reach these goals and so on. It can it be done at the end of the day. But it is something that we always discuss. It's always in our minds. It's always in our talks and discussions and so on. And that is... That is really well done from Copenhagen Fashion Week. It's really, really well done. Something else that I noticed when you were speaking was you said that you all know each other and there is this really strong spirit of collaboration across the Fashion Week, the different brands and and a lot of support across generations as well, right? Younger talent and more established ones and cross sector. How has that helped push the Danish creative industry forward, would you say? It's been crucial because there's a lot of negative things saying about being born in a small town in a small country. But this is one of the really good things about it because we know each other. We work together. We were raised together. We have the same employees. Our employees shift from one to another. And I think we all quite early came to the conclusion that there's no reason fighting each other to start with. That we can do at the end of the day. But to begin with, it starts with the, with buyers coming here. It has to put Denmark, Copenhagen on the international map. And to do that, we have to work together. Mm. Then once the buyers, the press, whoever comes, then we can start sort of, I want this all, then we can start battling. But to start with, we have to work together. And that has been the core of the understanding from the industry, of course, settling with, or starting with Copenhagen Fashion Week and the summit, that it has to, we have to put attention on Copenhagen. And, in, and this is where I mentioned Noma before, because Everything helps. Every Roskilde Festival, Noma, everything helps. Anything, anyone saying Copenhagen should point at this around this area, and then we're happy. And everyone should talk positively about that. And that is the that's the core of it. We have an expression in Danish, which is definitely not very translatable, but it's konkulegea. And it's the merge of two words. One is competitors, and the other one is colleagues. So we are com colleagues, all of us. And it's just to add a uh, an expression to what exactly you're talking about. It's it's that vibe in the industry. It's very, very collaborative. Mats, can you speak a little bit more specifically about building your brand and finding your individual voice within this community, but also drawing inspiration from everything that you've just been speaking about, the, the food scene, art, film... I established my brand in 1986, so it's it's all it's a long, long time ago. So the industry has changed very, very much since then. And I started with a small shop on the main pedestrian street. It was only me, and now we are more. And of course, it has developed and so on. But the core of it is all more or less the same. I I still want to do clothing that is sort of bit discreet i have i have a thing with stripes and so on but realizing doing the bits more is the same all the time right and what i wear is the same all the time so what i what i realized quite early is i need i need something else to put into it it could be art it could be music and therefore other designers so that's why i'm really open for working with with other with other creative people artists whatever and uh, sort of expanding my field in in that way but it is more or less the same 
this, it's the same values. I mean, I'm the same, so it's the same com coming out of it. I have a thing with stripes. I have a thing with pink. And I have a thing with, with arts. And I have a th thing with making people feeling better in, 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 what, in what they were to, to support them in the, way, in the ways and beliefs. That's, that's, that's how I see it. I just want to add a little bit to it because Mez is being super humble. Uh, he's uh, he's an iconic. No, Mez is uh, is an iconic and he's a legendary in our fashion industry for doing exactly that, uh, for merging uh, fashion with art, but also political agendas. And um, you pass by the window of Mez Nørgaard and you'll you'll have an experience that no other shops in Copenhagen um, will provide you with. And it's not something new. It's something that's been going on for decades. So um. <laughs> a real example of how you support each other <laughs> and well, band together. <laughs> so uh, that's why I can say it. <laughs> and I mean, from talking to you and from attending and coming to Copenhagen all these years, it, it's really clear, I think, to everyone in, in the fashion industry and beyond that you're really setting global standards when it comes to timeless design from the way you choose materials to the way you, you design clothes themselves and also now running events and uh, Copenhagen Fashion Week with sustainability requirements has attracted all the other Fashion Week's attention. But now having laid the foundations, looking ahead into the future, how do you see yourselves pushing the sustainability agenda even further? It's a very big question, and there's multiple answers um, to that. Um, but of course, from our perspective, sustainability is not a topic that's just trending. Uh, it's something that is, as Maz also mentioned before, it's deeply ingrained in our industry. So it's something that we will, of course, continue to work with. From our end at Copenhagen Fashion Week, we, we, we will continue to to constantly push the limits and raise the bar in terms of our minimum standards, of course. But then I also think there's one thing that's really important to address, and it is that, you know, even though we're able to push for, you know, more conscious choices of materials and better working conditions and all of that, the biggest problem that our industry is facing at a broader scale is overproduction and overconsumption. And that is something that we cannot tackle alone, neither here from our end at Copenhagen Fashion, we ignore from the brand side just, and it must be tackled through regulation. That's also one of the reasons why I think, you know, this upcoming EU uh, textile uh, regulatory framework, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be super strict and, and super um, ambitious for the industries to, to keep up with. And hopefully they'll find a realistic, you know, level. But it is important that it's coming from regulation because we cannot regulate ourselves in terms of, of volume. We'll also just add that volume is maybe mostly, and I'm, I'm not trying to place the responsibility elsewhere, but I, I think fast fashion is something that we really need to address and something that we really need to find solutions for because, um, yeah, it's maybe not the micro companies or the SMEs that are the biggest issue in this context. No, everything, I, I agree. But I think you have to begin with, I doubt if fashion can be sustainable because there will always be a footprint. So saying that a thing, something is sustainable, even that is that is hard, but we still have to work towards something that is more sustainable than, than it is today. But, but we also have to realize that what, or to acknowledge that for most, most people in the Western world, 
not everybody, but most of us have enough clothing at home. So that's not why we are we are designing clothes. It's not because people are cold in the Western world. I'm, there's a lot of, how do you say, this has to be, be understood in the right way. But a lot of people in the Western world have more than enough clothes. If, if all the industry was to close today, we would have enough clothes for the next five years, most of us. So that's so that's not why we're designing. It's it's for something else. It's for something extra nice uh, to be tempted, to be seducted, to be seduced, and so on. So talking about sustainability should should start with that, I think. But having said that, we are very dependent on we're hundred percent dependent on in the industry to have regulations because and it has to be coordinated by some over national body because. I may do something in my business, my colleague may be doing something else, and maybe it, it uh, interacts in the completely wrong way. We have to, someone has to say, you do this, you do that, you do that, and then at the end of the day, it'll work towards this and this. And, that. and it has to be addressed in different ways because it's different It's different regulations for, for bigger companies and for smaller companies and so on. So someone has to, to take the realm and say, this is how we're going to do it. And EU has started. I embrace that gladly, but maybe it has to be even the the UN because this is this is a worldwide scale. My thanks to Danish designer Mads Norgard and Copenhagen Fashion Week CEO Cecily Thorsmark. They were talking to Monocle's fashion editor Natalie Theodosi. To find out more about Creative Denmark's work, head to creativedenmark.com. And that's all for this special episode of Monocle on Design, which was funded by the European Union. For more design stories, stay tuned at monocle.com or wherever you get your podcasts. My thanks to Steph Chungu for her work on today's show. I'm Nick Manise. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Bye.